All right, welcome to the second episode of this, uh, the Challenge Accepted podcast. My name is Ian McShane. I am the Vice President of Strategy at Arctic Wolf. Uh, once again today, I'm joined by my favorite CISO, Adam Murray, who's going to join us as the co-host today as we talk about something I'm actually pretty passionate about, and that's um, getting people into cybersecurity and figuring out what's the best way to prepare to get into the, the industry. And um, we know that there's a pretty big shortage of, of either talent or a inability to fill um, some of the jobs that are being advertised. So, you know, maybe one of the ways we can we can help to address some of that is encouraging youngsters, young professionals, people looking for a career change, and people of all backgrounds really to explore cybersecurity as their career. And what, I'm really excited today, actually, we're gonna to talk to um, one of our, our newest team members in the Arctic Wolf Security Operations Center, Isaiah Grady, who's a, a triage specialist, and he also came into us through the intern program. So I'm excited about that. But first off, Adam, Hey, how's it going? Hey, it's going well. Happy to be here. Love this subject. So this is this is exciting. Me too. So let's, let's focus on you first because people are fed up with my voice already. How did you get interested in cybersecurity as a career? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Uh, I guess we can we can start at the beginning with me at a at a university. Um, I mean, I was always interested in technology, but mainly video games, actually. And so uh, at university, I came out of there with, uh, was able to get an opportunity to do an internship at uh, a video game studio. And then I kind of had my dream job as a video game designer. So uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, I'd learned a lot in university, but of course was learning a lot on the job. And what games were you uh, doing? Is there any, any games that people might have heard of? So this was a studio called Avalanche Software, it actually still exists. Um, and uh, we were making kids games. So a lot of mm. games for uh, a publisher called THQ, and they were publishing games for uh, Nick, Nickelodeon. So I worked on a mm -hmm. lot of kind of kids games. And then the studio actually got bought by Disney while I was there. And so then I worked wow. on a lot of Disney games, titles like Chicken Little, Meet the Robinsons, Chicken Little 2, and the beginning <laughs> so cool. of uh, Toy Story 3, which was a great game. Also worked on a title called Tack and the Power of Juju. So just some great titles. It was a lot of fun. Like I said, dream job. But of course, this is about cybersecurity. So uh, the big question is, you know, what happened there? Well, for me, it was 9-11. So the attacks mm -hmm. on September 11th in the United States were kind of a big sort of formative uh, event for me. And uh, it caused me to want to serve in kind of a different way. And so uh, through a brief stint in the army, I ended up in the FBI. And that's where cybersecurity came in. I was assigned mm -hmm. to a small office initially in the FBI. So a satellite office from a field, from a main field division office, um, call them resident agencies, or the FBI calls them resident agencies. I was assigned there and I got to investigate a little bit of everything to include cybersecurity matters. So I started investigating, you know, both criminally motivated and nation state sponsored uh, cybersecurity attacks and intrusions. And that's where I started getting my specific training because I had a technical background. Mm -hmm. That was one of the reasons why I leaned in that direction and was, was pushed in that direction. And uh, the FBI provided both internal FBI training and SANS training, um, ah. a lot of SANS courses in addition to other classes. So yeah, and then a ton of on-the-job experience. How how mature was the the kind of cybersecurity arm of the FBI at the time? And the reason I ask is because it feels like over the last twenty years, cybersecurity has changed from almost you know a side part of network 
administration, right? I remember like the first cybersecurity stuff I started doing was through, you know, CCNA and networking. Um, but I'm curious to know if it's around the kind of, or just after 9-11, how mature was the, the cybersecurity stuff in the FBI? Yeah, so there were there were definitely elements that were very, very sophisticated, but it wasn't as emphasized uh, mm. back then. In fact, it it shows even in when I was looking to apply and I was talking with the recruiters at the, you know, today, if I had my background, they'd be really excited about someone with my background interested. Back then it was more like, hey, go do something we care about, you know, get some more experience, which was <laughs> hence why I went into uh, the army. And I, I was actually a counterintelligence agent in the army. So I was trying to get some intelligence experience. But today, you know, much more of an emphasis on uh, technical background, computer science, IT, things like that. And if you've, especially if, if you have worked in cybersecurity, uh, the FBI is very interested in candidates like that. And so I did see it mature over time. One of the one of the maybe more interesting indicators of that is when I was working, you know, in, in any case, it was, you know, the cyber agents that were even just chasing IP addresses and things like that. But now there's actually quite a bit of cyber education that is given to every single agent so that every agent mm. has the ability to do things like, you know, uh, search warrants on various types of logs from, you know, other, you know, big internet providers, you know, so, so your Facebooks, your Googles, all that kind of stuff. And um, also just to chase IP addresses and try to get attribution that way, just on regular cases, because it's so frequent and, uh, the sophistication of tracking cell phones and all of that was was also something I saw increase over time. And now the cyber squads mm. in the FBI are very sophisticated. They're very technical. Filled with people who you know have forensic certifications and things like that. And then every agent is expected to know something about uh, computers and cyber. So watching that change in the twelve mm. years I was there was yeah. pretty interesting. Very pervasive. It's like when, when you joined, was there like a cohort of folks that you started with? And did you all have a similar kind of background, like technical background? Or was it, you know, a mixture of um, military service as well as, you know, technical folk? Yeah. You know, when you go to the academy, it kind of doesn't really matter where you came from. You're all in an academy class together. Mm -hmm. So we had people literally like a nuclear physicist. We had high school teachers, uh, elevator repairmen, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people from the military. Uh, there was me with kind of my mixed background. So we had people from, you know, all walks of life, all types, all colors, all socioeconomic backgrounds, all in one big academy class together. And then we all go through the same training. Once you get out to the field, that's when, you know, your background can can start to shine through. Like if someone had, we had someone who had experience in, you know, museum curation. And of course they went <laughs> like down sort of the art crimes uh, yeah, that's lane cool. and things like that. So Thomas Crown affair as well. Yeah, yeah. Of, you know? so <laughs> so yeah, your your specialization can come out later, but you know, in the academy, everyone gets the same training and goes through through the same thing. That's cool. Yeah. Like it's 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 interesting to hear that you've got so much you know outside training as well from Sands because you know Sands is one of those things everyone knows is crazy expensive, yeah. and you know there are, there are very few organizations that are willing to fund a lot of Sands training, let alone people that can do it off their own back. So how how would you how would you compare like the on the job training versus SANS? Like, and if you went back and again and had to fund SANS yourself, would you do it still? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I have, you know, a lot of high esteem for SANS and mainly the instructors. I think that's one of the secrets to their success is that their instructors are practitioners. These are people who are passionate uh, and the courses that they design are really hands-on, you know, so you have a lot of, um, 
a lot of those modules and labs that they have are, you know, pretty latest and greatest and, and very hands-on. I think that's one of the secrets. It's not one of these certifications you get just by reading books and things like that. You've got to really get into, you know, get on your machine and, and start, you know, working at whatever it is, you know, going through logs or coding or um, whatever, you know, forensics, whatever technical domain it is. Uh, yeah. But they are crazy expensive. That is the the big but but there. <laughs> and of course, this was being funded by the federal government and DoD. I know funds this for a lot of for a lot of their you know military occupational specialties in the various branches of the government. So that's how you know you get a lot of that training. I'm not you know if you can get the funding, you know I think they're great. And so would yep. I, would I fund it? Yeah, case by case. If we really needed the specific skill set that a SANS course um, provides. Yeah, I think I would fund it, but it's really difficult given the expense to fund it for like an entire team. So yeah, you can replicate a lot of that with um, on the job training. If you take the time, have good people that can create curriculum. I mean, that's another thing I did. I, I haven't talked much about on the podcast, but that I have, you know, I, I created curriculum myself and was an adjunct professor for the FBI. And I went literally around the world teaching law enforcement officers various techniques, including forensics and things like that. So I do have some experience in creating curriculum. And I know that, of course, we do that here at Article yeah. and we have our own training. So I think if you can take the time and you have something like us where we have, you know, we see attacks across, you know, tons of different customers, thousands of customers, it, you know, we can create that curriculum and have real world experience provided to our analysts that start like Isaiah, we're going to talk to in a minute here. Uh, and so, yes, I think you can replicate what that gives you. And then, of course, if you make it for your business or your organization and you can replicate it, well, then, of course, you can get a lot of use out of that time you've used rather than just, you know, paying for one person to go to a course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I took I had the opportunity to take one SANS course. It was a year ago, actually. It was my, my second week at Arctic Wolf. They were like, hey, do you want to take a SANS course? I'm like, shit, yeah. Of course I do. It's the first time I had the opportunity to do it off of um, someone else's dime. And yeah, 100% really enjoyed it. The, the content's great. The presenter's super knowledgeable. I think what was the best part about it for me was the ability to do the hands-on stuff and follow that through without having to like keep pausing YouTube or keep, you know, trying to research something because it was all laid out. The curriculum's really yeah. well done. I found it, found it super valuable to get you know more hands-on activity than just you know sitting in a class or sitting listening to, to a podcast going on. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. And this is kind of a theme of me. I'm like, you know, with all the different types of learning, I'm never going to say no to them, but they all have their time yeah. and place. And you've all, you've got to weigh the risk reward or cost reward for each one. And so, you know, I love SANS. It has its place. I think on the job training is really great. And then, like you said, just having that passion and looking at tutorials on YouTube or whatever. I mean, mm -hmm. all of it, if, if it moves you forward in your knowledge and your experience, it's all really good. And I had to yeah. do all of those things throughout my, my FBI career. And then later, you know, when I joined the private sector, I've had to do all of those things all through my career, formal classes, yeah. teaching myself, reading documentation, just trying stuff in my home lab. All of those things are important. And so that's usually what I tell people. And I say, you know, what's the best thing to do? I say like, it's all the best. Just depends on yeah. what you're trying to do, what kind of time you have, how much money you've got, all those things go into the equation of what should you do here, you know? Yeah. All right. Last question I've got for you is, so after you came out of, into the, into the private sector, did you find it hard to find a job or was it relatively easy given your background? And the reason I ask is because I know there are a lot of well-qualified people that are still struggling to find the right job right now. 
So I'm just curious how you found it when you came out of um, into the private sector. Yeah, I, I just was really fortunate, lucky, blessed, whatever you want to say. I was really fortunate when, um, you know, as part of my duties at the FBI, I got to know a lot of people and a lot of businesses uh, pretty closely for some, some of them because of a, you know, breach investigation, others just because we did a lot of outreach and because of that, I was able to use those connections to, mm-hmm. um, you know, get interviews, even just interview people. Hey, if I was coming into the private sector, what would you be looking for? And I was able to prepare myself. So I had, you know, some of the things I needed to be ready. And then, you know, let's face it, someone took a chance on me because I hadn't spent years in the private sector and, uh, you know, the, the, good people at Qualtrics. Uh, one of my, my mentors, uh, David Colley, who I reported to, um, he took a chance on me and they brought me in and, you know, we were able to do a lot together over there. So, uh, you know, like anything, it's, it's a lot of who, you know, so that's another great <laughs> thing is, is getting out there and getting into communities that, you know, meet together, try things together. Um, any of those meetup type groups, it's all really good because those connections can really help you when it comes time for you to, you know, start looking for your job. Yeah. As much as I hate the, well, I was going to say hate the phrase like networking, but I also hate networking. Right. But it's one of those things that definitely, definitely helps. I mean, in general, I hate people. So it's, it's tough for me to try and <laughs> try and join it, join those things, but it definitely, it definitely helps. You're totally right. Well, let me, let me turn the tables on, on you here, Ian. Let me ask you, how did yeah. you get your start in cybersecurity? <laughs> So the first time I thought about security, or the first time I can remember thinking about security, my memory is terrible, is watching the best hacker movie ever, Sneakers, right? And I remember like Robert Redford and all those folks breaking into that lab, right? And the thing that sticks in my head is the guy saying, you know, my voice is my passport, verify me. And it's funny because now one of my, like one of my banks, I called it the other day to activate a card and I had to say my, my voice is my password. And I'm like, huh, this is like straight from that, that movie. But yeah, so like that was what, mid nineties, maybe early nineties. And so that was the first time I, I thought about it. Um, but I didn't really get into IT until kind of after after 9-11, not for the same reasons as you, just because I was a lazy bum and ended up working of all places in a in a Mexican restaurant in the UK for like five years. So I like left school, didn't go to college university because I was attracted to having a pay packet at the end of the week. So I was doing, you know, 70 or 80 hours in a steaming hot kitchen for three pounds 25 an hour, which at the time was terrible. And now it sounds even more ridiculous. But I guess like I, I was fortunate enough to be able to, that I continued having that passion for IT. And so I ended up working essentially as, as a, I was going to say office assistant, but that makes it sound too glamorous. I was like the dog's body in this small office, like where I would be the person that would reboot a um, server, a, a was it exchange small business server edition thing that was running in the corner. It was like some, some really early version of small business server anyway. And ultimately was very, very lucky like you, like, you know, I'm, very well aware that I'm a white guy, like I'm middle-aged now, very privileged, whatever you want to call it, and was just in the right place at the right time for a lot of occasions, going from like that office job to a call center to ending up being a sysadmin for an ISP and then breaking into this world of software vendors and then Gartner, which opens so many doors and so many opportunities for me that it's something that I really try and, and pay back when I can. So so for you going through that process, was it just 
sort of learning by doing? Did you do any formal security instruction? Like what, or this, learning? this is a funny thing is like back when I started, there was no outside it, like SANS wasn't big in the UK. I don't know if they had a, a presence there, but I don't remember there being much outside of the MCSE and the MCSA certifications. So one of my employers would pay for the, the exam costs for MCSA. And so I did like four or five of these, these Microsoft ones, but the only real security training I had was by a company called F secure. And it was because the ISP I was at at the time, actually, no, that's not true. Hold on. I'll come back. The ISP I was at at the time, we're using F secure as part of their um, security. So we had, we went through some training through them. And then there was a trend micro one when we started to get into some end, end point security stuff, but it wasn't really training, right? It was more about a, a certification. It was multiple choice, like, and it, and it was pretty basic. It just, it just didn't seem like there was the, the organized cybersecurity stuff in the UK at the time, or if it was, I wasn't, I wasn't a part of that scene. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating that it, it seems like so many folks of our vintage, if I can say that are, yeah. are, are self-taught or had to kind of cobble together an education. And, and this is one of the things uh, that I, I, I do tell young people that ask me about this, but you've really got to have a passion for security. There has to be that, that you got to care yeah. deep level of interest or, you know, just outright desire to, to learn this mm-hmm. stuff. Where, where do you think that, when did you discover that about yourself? And uh, you know, how did you come to that, that passion or desire to learn about this? I, I just, so after sneakers, I remember getting into like the bulletin board scene with a few of my friends and one of my friends got a modem. We, he had to like a, I want to say it was an Amiga or something, maybe an Atari. And so we would, we were trying to figure out how do we connect to this thing called the internet? And, you know, we'd like find these phone numbers, but we wouldn't have credentials for it, which, you know, just couldn't figure out our way through it. But we found like the bulletin board scene and just wanted to know how it worked and then wanted to host my own. And I think that's kind of been the underlying thing for me is like, I want to, I want to sound like the expert. I want to know how these things work. And so when someone asks a question, I, don't want to be embarrassed. Like I said, I'm not a people person. I've got like huge anxiety about not having an answer to every single question that might pop up in someone's mind. Like I'm, I'm going through it in my head, like, what are they going to ask me? How do I prepare? What do I need to know? And so having that, especially in the world of security, like when I'm on the phone with doing, I was in the call center doing customer support, I'd want to know exactly why it was broken, not just follow the script that said, yeah, you know, you need to reset your password, reset your password and then reboot your, your machine. I want to understand why. You know, what happens when you reboot it? What's the difference between the state it's in now and the state that it comes back up in? And then that kind of progressed into things like how does exchange work and how do, you know, how do the public folders appear on everyone's um, Outlook client versus just my mailbox appearing on my one and then getting down into the nit gritty. And I was fortunate enough again to be like in that sysadmin team and the continuous like learning journey has, has really never stopped. Like every single day I learned something new about IT or, or, or security and it just keeps things interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I've, and I found that to be a common denominator too. People just really want to deeply understand how things work. Um, that's That always seems to be part of it. Well, yeah, that, exactly. That's super fascinating. Well, you know what? Probably enough about you and me. Do we want to uh, turn <laughs> yeah. our attention over to our guest? Yeah, why not? Hey, hey, Isaiah, how's it going? Hey, I'm doing pretty well. How are you guys? Pretty great. Pretty great, man. Thanks for joining us today. So yours, your journey is a really interesting one because um, you started out as an intern and, you know, I, I know there's a lot of, um, there's been a lot of stuff in pop culture in the last four or five years about you know, the intern programs being really, you know, kind of slave labor and, you know, not necessarily a good use of anyone's time. So I'm curious to know, number one is like, what do you do at Arctic Wolf today and how did you end up here? 
So today, uh, I guess starting this week, uh, I'm a, an engineer, interior security engineer, and uh, we're pretty much that and, and the role right before me at TSA, an analyst, we're pretty much the same thing. And we're kind of just like the front line. I wouldn't say it's grunt because we, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say, <laughs> I wouldn't say we're treated, treated badly at all. It's, it's very much a, a good solid position and it's a lot of exposure. So I just, we call it the front line and uh, mainly we just, I mean, we monitor incident boards uh, alert accordingly, or we're also just, I'd say half the time, if we're doing like ticket work, we're like security advisor for customers. That'd be like a fancy way of saying it. And the other half of the time we're escalating it to people uh, a little smarter than us and then they handle the incident response. So, yeah. <laughs> That's great. I'm, I'm really envious. Like, cause I remember, like the, I remember when I first started working in that call center, it was a very similar thing. You're like dealing with frontline questions, almost like the basic and, you know, you're escalating things up. And that, again, like I wanted to know when things were being escalated, why can't I fix that? Why couldn't I fix that? So super interested in that. Have you, have you always been, have you always been interested in cybersecurity or is it just something that happened as a career choice? It was, it was definitely something that happened over time. At first, uh, I say like background with family, not any IT people at all. Um, now my parents are in the medical field and so just not, never was a thing. And then I just, I got into like gaming, like a little escape, you know, as a teenager. Yeah. And eventually I was like, you know, I want to build my own computer. So I eventually did that. And I was like 17, I think at the time. And so that's kind of, I think what peaked it and it, it definitely where it started. And at one point, um, yeah, like at one point when I was uh, starting out with uh, college, I had done all my core classes. And at that point you have to choose something. And so I talked to my advisor and, and I just was like, yeah, I like computers. And she's like, okay, well, here's what we got. And I was like, well, which one like requires the least amount of math? And she's like, cybersecurity. I said, okay, we'll do that one. <laughs> and then that's how that started. So that's such a, a funny, that's such a funny comment because I think like personally, just from my experience is that there's a lot of math in cybersecurity. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. But I mean, I see some of the R&D people and I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm glad I didn't choose that path, but <laughs> teach their own like, no, no hate there. I just, I can't, I can't look at that much numbers all day long. But How much math do you have to do, Adam, in your, in your role as a CSO? How much math is involved in that role? At this point, there's not a lot of math. Most of it's budgeting. So pretty simple accounting <laughs> type math. But I do remember studying a lot of uh, encryption early on and there's some lovely math involved there, which I actually like a lot. Oh yeah, uh, that was that fascinated me. So one of the one of the things I enjoyed most about the CISSP, right? And you know, I know people slate that that exam for being like a mile wide and you know a millimeter deep, but going through the explanation of how um, Diffie-Hellman encryption works and public key encryption and seeing how you can work that out by hand and see how it works blew my mind. Like I was like, oh my god, I want to know more about encryption. That's amazing. And math is just fascinating. It's a big cert. It's a big cert. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it's it's been it's been interesting for sure. And it, it grew after that because at that point I was like, okay, like I like computers, I like this. So you know, I, I like security stuff. I always liked you know, age, like when I played around as a kid, like I, we like you know, cops and robbers and things like that. So I've always wanted to do something that had to do with security. I just wasn't sure if it'd be digital or you know out there in the world. So mm -hmm. it, was, it was definitely an interesting way it came about, but I'm definitely happy I chose it because I love it. So nice. Yeah. Well, that, that's interesting to hear. So I'm curious, oftentimes I know there's kind of a rough transition between 
you know, going to school or taking classes, what have you, and then actually getting the job. And, you know, that sometimes feels like there's a bait and switch between, you know, what you thought the job was going to be or what they told you it was going to be and what it actually is. And then your day to day is like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. So I'm just curious, how, how did that transition go for you for, you know, you studied this for however long months, years that you studied it, and then you finally got the job. What was it like when you started? So I had, so I had one, I'd say one internship before this. And it was, uh, I think that was the internship where I let, realized that I could either hate the job I eventually get or whatever company I work for, or really enjoy it. Um, because I kind of met both worlds there. Um, but it was, I, I did like a two year. So I have like my friends who did their four years and, and, and so on, but I, I just did a, a community college degree. And then after that, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad, you know? They, they're pretty easy, but they want you to get an internship at the one I go to. So they help you kind of like get something. Mm-hmm. So I ended up going and working for a company for a spring. And it was, it was, it was one of those things where it was like, okay, I could be doing this as an analyst. And pretty much what I was doing most of the time was like, um, you know, I was like doing a lot of IPs and just adding deny lists for printers and you know, all that fun stuff, hundreds <laughs> of those a day. <laughs> so, you know, the fun stuff like that. Um, and I, and I realized then I was like, okay, this, this could be very well. I could end up with something. You know, I was an intern, right? So, you know, it's a little different responsibility, but I could end up with something similar as a full-time position, like depending where I go. And so that did daunt on me. I definitely was, I feel like, yeah, I have that. I had that like when I was in school, I, okay. I was one of those YouTubing. So we were talking about the, uh, the different ways to learn. I was a YouTube kid. So I, when we used to do like a Cisco simulator for a network, I would YouTube outside of my assignments and just like figure out how to like make this entire thing. And then I'd name it after my own devices to like replicate my, my house. Mm-hmm. But uh, definitely would say like a fantasy phase. And then when you, when I definitely got my first internship and again, very different things, internship and full-time um, as I've been through uh, two internships and then the full-time here. And I'd say it's definitely different, but it, it definitely knocks you. You're like, okay, there is a chance that I could, be in a cubicle, you know, all day long and typing in, you know, deny lists and things like that. And that, that could be the extent of my job for like, you know, a couple of years, you know, depending how long it takes you to get somewhere else. So it's definitely say it daunted. And then, you know, I got to Arctic Wolf and definitely it's very, it's very different exposure and, it, you know, kind of it, it reinvited me a little bit of like, okay, you know, actually I might enjoy, um, you know, a lot more than I thought, you know, because I will say I'm kind of stubborn in that way. Um, even if I didn't like it at first, I'd, I'd eventually end up somewhere where I liked, <laughs> but I would say it's definitely sometimes like, as long as you just don't let it knock you down, you can get like an internship or a first time position and you could be like, you know, a little unexcited for a year or even less, depending how long it takes you to move. So it mm-hmm. just depends. I really think I think another another common trait in our industry is stubbornness as well. So I can definitely <laughs> definitely appreciate that. I, I think a bit less of, <laughs> less of stubbornness and more in commitment. How about that? Yeah, that's a better word. So so how did you how did you get the job here? Like where did you see the internship advertised, or is it something that we you know Arctic Wolf worked with the the college you were at? So I did the college went to the first internship I had and then that ended it was like a four-month thing it was uh, like you know you work 20 hours a week and it's a max of 200 hours so whatever that equates to eventually and I uh, ended that and one of my past jobs was fast food so I ended up doing that for a little bit and I went on Google and you know the usual right applied to everything <laughs> um, even the stuff that said minimal of 
four years <laughs> and yeah. I didn't have four years. So just kind of applied to everything. And there's a buddy I was going to church with and he worked for Arctic Wolf. Um, and uh, he knew he kind of would help me. And he was like, you know, we, we do referrals here. So he's like, I'll refer you in, but he's like, pass that. It's all on you. He's like, I can't help you pass that. So I ended up referring me in and we got a, uh, I got a phone interview. And then eventually, uh, you know, not too long after that, actually, uh, you know, the behavioral and, and the, the, and the technical interview and ended up going good. It was, it was good. It, it went well as much as I thought I expected, but you know, first time full, like first time uh, interview like that, you know, I was a nervous wreck, so I can't really gauge that <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> but I think it was all right. And uh, I actually didn't hear back for a little bit. It was, it was a good, like, it was a good minute, but I kept, I think I sent out like, I was a little persistent or annoying either one, but I, I sent out a couple of emails and, uh, to the recruiter and she eventually responded it was just like one of those things where i think we we're finishing up a quarter here mm-hmm. and you know positions were kind of filled for this time being but she was like hey we got an internship program she's like if you really like want to like we you know she's like i can get you an interview so wow. i was like okay let's do that so we ended up pushing to our senior manager here ben clark who was mm-hmm. the interviewer at the time for the internship program so i ended up doing interview with him and then by the end of the interview he pushed my papers through and i ended up starting like a month after that wow that's awesome so it raises another interesting question adam like like all three of us so far have said it's i'm going to paraphrase everyone like it's who we knew that's how we managed to get um a good opportunity so adam what what can what can people like you and i do to like widen that blanket like or what can we do to encourage people to to get beyond the it's not what you know it's who you know yeah, I think I think the good news about that is it's never been uh, easier, you know, quote unquote, to to get to know people just because of, you know, the nature of the Internet, social media, all of that. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot more ways than back in the olden times when when I was a younger <laughs> fellow to, to get to know people. So one thing is to to really try to get active. I think uh, all the places that you live online to try to figure out who are the, you know, people in the industry. And, you know, just, I also just wouldn't be afraid. That's another thing. Just be confident, be daring. Don't be afraid to reach out to people. Many, many mm-hmm. of us, and I think Ian, you would include yourself in this. We're, we're willing to talk to people, especially younger people who are looking to break in. Like I, I will make time. I, I do that frequently for people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it does behoove us to also make ourselves available in that way. And, you know, help sponsor different organizations to try to reach out to, to young people, to, uh, you know, or people, not just young people, anybody who's looking to break in. Some people are doing a career change. And Mm -hmm. so to also make it open to them. That's why I love, you know, various security meetup groups and things like that. I think that's a great way to break in, to learn things. But then I think it also, you know, you and I, Ian, people like us should get involved in those and make sure that we're there and we're available for people. Uh, in, heaven forbid, in the real world, if you have real world meetups, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And as much of a, a hailscape as Twitter can be from time to time, there's a really good community of security professionals on there that regularly posts job links that they know for things. They'll, you know, give you, you know, the opportunity at some conferences like DEF CON and uh, maybe Black Hat where people will do resume reviews for you. Um, so there's, there's definitely the opportunity to do it, but I can tell you from, you know, just from my own experience that I can appreciate how daunting it is reaching out to anyone, whether you know them, like 
I would I would feel nervous, Adam, about calling you up, and I know you a little bit, and say, "Hey, Adam, have you got a job for me?" You know, what I mean, I would I would feel nervous about that, and I, you know, I fully realize I'm in a very privileged position, so I can I can understand folks kind of trying to push back or say, "You know what? I don't want to apply for that because it sounds out of my out of my um my, out of my ballpark." Yeah, that's very true, and uh, I think you know studies have shown, I, I believe that women especially have a hard time applying for jobs mind, yeah. that, where they yeah. don't you know fit the bill like isaiah you mentioned like hey I was asking for four years i didn't have four years that is much more yeah. common for for men to do than women where they just want to mm -hmm. feel like they they match every every single point on the job description what, one thing i say to that is like please just apply like just put your name in the hat because if, if you don't you, you don't even get the chance to interview and you know if you you don't do well in the interview that's okay it's an experience you gained experience from it you know what interviews are like so if you're applying just apply uh, but the other thing is you know be a little bit bold in, in reaching out to people or accepting the help when it's offered like you said if someone says hey i'm going to res review resumes pick people up on it if you don't even really think your resume needs to be or your resume needs to be reviewed then you can take someone up on it it's just a chance to meet someone so mm -hmm. One one piece of advice I have when people are trying to break in is I always say just just be confident, be bold, get yourself out there, meet people, in all the various ways you can. Um, and then on on the flip side, we need to start making ourselves more available to others. Even you, Isaiah, you're you're in now. You're in the community now, so you need to turn around and and reach out to those who who are outside and and aren't in. And I actually just responded to someone who linked. Who, who messaged me on LinkedIn a little earlier today, who said, hey, I want to break into security. And I said, hey, I, let me, let's let's set up some time to talk. So I, I just think it's something that we need to do and make ourselves available like, like you intimated there, Ian. Yeah, absolutely. And do you know what? I think LinkedIn is a great, is a great um, tool for doing that as well, finding unnecessarily companies you might want to work for, but conversations that are interesting. And as much as I hate those posts which just have a hashtag every other word right you can use some pretty good searches to find like you know a cybersecurity discussion or something that's happening in the news and find someone that sounds like they're not a jackass and maybe send them a message and say hey look i'm looking to looking to get into the industry how can you help or how can you, you know what advice can you give me yeah just a, a real quick cap on on this part of the conversation i think a lot of times people they want a silver bullet or a panacea or something that's going to just like the answer you do this one thing yeah. And I think we can't let the perfect be the enemy of the good in this. Just try to do maybe not all the things, but try to do many of the things that we've talked about and that mm -hmm. others talk about to get yourself out there and to just be patient. The industry needs to get better at this. We do. And there are many of us who are working on it. You know, bear with that. Please don't get discouraged. Be confident. There's so many positions out there. We're trying to learn how to fill them better. But just come out there and participate. That's that's what one of the pieces of advice that I would would throw out there to everyone. Absolutely. Last question for you, Isaiah. Sorry, Isaiah. Mate. Isaiah. Hang on. I'm yeah. gonna say that again because yeah. I fucked your name up. Sorry. Hold on. That's all I get. Last question for you, Isaiah. Is um, where do you where do you want to go in your career? Like you're you're relatively new to it. If you actually start to think what the next few roles or the next few years might look for uh, look like for you, or or where you want to be in like. 10 years that's that classic interview question right man <laughs> it's a big one uh, i think just honestly right now just continuing up the ladder in general um i like progressing and i mean as uh, adam said a second ago you know it's not even about like being perfect i think is what you said um but 
it's like definitely especially for me like a lot of my stuff has been like you know like youtube and stuff so i think the biggest thing is just like just continuing on progressing as much as i can and you know there is a cap obviously to how high i want to go for just my own quality of life but just Mm -hmm. until then just keep pushing up keep learning keep Mm -hmm. learning from the smarter guys like you guys and uh and just getting there and you know and uh look at you networking already (laughs) right there yeah and you know to add to that a huge thing is as a lot of people forget that this is a thing but even in a community college like where i go in san antonio they have clubs and like utsa has a lot and like they're a huge thing and uh, i mean i have a couple of coworkers who like have go to utsa and they mean they have chapters started by students and I mean, like even Arctic Wolf will hire heavily out of there. So like I push for those too, because those are huge. And then you don't even have to reach out to somebody specifically too with those. There's a lot of times it's a sign up, So it's a lot easier to do because even I don't like confronting people. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think just continuing up the ladder and just, you know, incident response is always intriguing me. I, I like, I like that chase. So maybe yeah. something in there. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, like the, the, keeping that like thirst for knowledge. Like I think the, the important thing for me and not getting bored in this industry is that I keep learning and there's all, there's so many domains here. Like you can, you can start to branch across. Like I talked about how interesting I found encryption. I've never worked on encryption. I'm not a mathematician, mathematician, can't even say mathematician, let alone be a mathematician, but I find it interesting enough to, to want to stay involved. And I think having that, that kind of thirst for knowledge is, is great. And that's what I look for when I'm interviewing people really for this industry is like, are you like, willing to learn more do you want to learn more or is it just about the paycheck and if it's about the paycheck do you know what that's probably your right team well yeah i mean there's something every day i mean like even here in this job i mean there's there's a there's like a threat meeting once a month and then it's like even outside of that there's i mean there's there's a vulnerability every single day you just you scroll through threat posts i love that site by the way you mm-hmm. scroll through threat posts i mean there's something every day like a couple things every day i mean there's this the, in this industry you're you, i would i would be like it would be i don't know what position you'd have to be in where you're bored when it comes to cybersecurity there's always something out there that's a that's a really good point i i kind of one follow up question for you Isaiah which is so you just you just got this great job. You just got a promotion from triage security analyst to triage security engineer, which is incredible. Congratulations. Congratulations. Like it's definitely not a gimme. That's definitely earned. So great work <laughs> there. But so you're you're here. What what advice would you give to folks who are, you know, you know, someone someone who's in school and, and is just totally daunted by this process of trying to get a job, or maybe someone who's, you know, been in another career and they want to move over? Like what? What advice would you give to them? I mean, I know we've said things, but we've been in here a while. You you just got here, so. Uh, I think the one of the, yeah, including just the process, but adding to that is a lot of people feel like people or companies are looking for more paper. Um, and if I'm not a testimony to that with an associates and no certs, um, I think the biggest thing is just like, if you really want to be in cybersecurity, like this is truly what you want to do, um, just talk to other people. It, it, it sucks. Like we all said, like, you know, not, some of us are introverts here, <laughs> but it is so huge to just like, even if you can make, or you have some friends, because I feel like typically you make at least one or two friends if like in your classes, if you're in a community college or this is just that community. I mean, even if you're on, like I said, there's, there's even just like fairs and conventions you can go with, or like I said, most of them have chapters. I mean, UTSA, like I have friends, some friends who are you know more shy like me who are from UTSA. I've never gone to UTSA, but I know them from 
like that they go to UTSA mm-hmm. and I would study with them on campus because you just you just like you run into them. Biggest thing is like I said, I would say is just like what we we're kind of continuing off of earlier is just don't be don't be worried about if you're gonna get a PhD in cybersecurity or you know a security plus cert and a CISA cert. Uh, whether it's those two or a master's, it doesn't matter. As long as you get, you know, I'd say definitely have something and then push for just meeting people, getting connections. That's how I got here. And I was able to prove myself after the fact. So I'd say definitely stuff like that. And like I said, there's just, there's all kinds of stuff in San Antonio. There's a couple of conventions. We have them up in Austin too, big tech thing. And just like I said, cybersecurity and like UTSA, for instance, or um, like where I went community college of all places, there's clubs where people are doing like capture the flag for fun. And they're being able to get that promoted. And, you know, companies look at those things too. So I'd say definitely just make sure you get connected somewhere. You don't have to walk up to somebody and shake their hand right away because that's <laughs> scary as heck. But, you know, put an application in a club. You know, they're not going to kick you out, especially if you're in cybersecurity. So yeah. just join something and get in there. You know? I will say the majority of cybersecurity folks I know are pretty welcoming and pretty, actually pretty decent people. I know, you know, there's always the, the bad egg or the rotten apple here and there. But for the most part, everyone I've always met in, in cybersecurity seems to be cool enough. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're either all a bunch of nerds or we're converting other people into a bunch <laughs> yeah, of there nerds. You go. Like, it's either there you those go. two. There's no, there's nobody in here who's we're not. We're all like, a bunch of nerds. Exactly. <laughs> we, I mean, literally. So I'd say, yeah, just get out there, man. Get out there, join a club. You know, you don't have to shake somebody's hand right away, but get out there and just start doing it. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good way to wrap it up. We're all a bunch of nerds. So Adam, like you've already, you already said, like, don't be afraid to reach out. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they have any questions about getting into cybersecurity? Yeah, if you uh, you know don't have any other connections with me, I, I am on LinkedIn. It is the only social I do. So uh, reach out to me there. Um, and like I said, I love to make time for people. Um, but if there are, you know, there are other means, like uh, St. Con is one of the conventions here in Utah coming up. Uh, we'll be there. Um, and we like to go to a lot of those things with Arctic Wolf. So I'll be around, you know, RSA, things like that. If you see me, cool. please don't hesitate to come up. But the LinkedIn's a good way for just about everybody to reach out. Yeah, same same with me. I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me with my stupid name, Ian McShane. Also, um, <laughs> also on Twitter, at Ian McShane as well. It was just um, pretty coincidental. Well, this has been great. I've enjoyed talking to the both of you. So this has been cool. Hopefully everyone got some kind of insight into how to break into cybersecurity. Isaiah, thanks, man. Appreciate you joining us today. Adam, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much. And everyone else, thanks for listening. Um, We'll be back in a few weeks with some other cool stuff about cybersecurity.